0: That. I was you the, could the one blaming him with that. Carson
1: Matthews, very good two-way forward. Nobody's they- saying Carson wants us to go! Oh, your team suck, Parker, pick one. And before Miami fan over here starts talking... blasphemous and I'll things. tell you why. What does that tell you? He's terrible! I'm not out here saying Topherty's really bad. Yeah, you are! Nothing, Gary! <laughs> I'm saying, pick it! What's going on, everyone? Today is Tuesday, September 8th. You're listening to the Daft Picks Podcast. Today we're going to be recapping the second round of the NHL playoffs as well as some other news around the league, start of football season, and some other small tidbits. Alongside me today, as always, you have our producer, Parker. Hello. Hi, Parker. So, I'm going to let you take the helm right away here, and I'm just going to forewarn everybody. My allergies are kicking my ass today, so I probably don't sound very good on the mic, but, Parker, what do we have for round two? Why don't we go through the series one by one? Okay, so first one in the East was the Flyers and Islanders went to seven games. Right. I'm not gonna lie to you, I'm a little surprised that the uh, series ended the way it did. It was very, the Flyers had like 16 shots total of the final game. was not very impressed. I mean, Carter Hart played a hell of a series. He might be the best goalie in hockey now. I mean, he's just so good. Man, they're a scary team. Like, this is the Flyers' first real taste of the postseason in like the new era. I would be afraid of them, honestly. Yeah,
0: I could definitely see them being a contender in the future. They'd. Didn't really look prepared for the playoffs. I think their steam really sort of fizzled out after the round-robin. Like yeah. Because they barely got past Montreal. That was a team they should have handled really easily.
1: Well, I've been saying all along, too. They slay, like they sort of ran on their goalie. Hart had to hold them in a lot of games. They got a lot of good depth scoring, and they got a lot of the big guys going. Giroud scored his first goal in 28 games, I think it was. Mm-hmm but you're right they really did kind of fizzle out they didn't look strong enough but for a team making its first real playoff run with a new core or whatever you would like to call the flyers now they're they look good like i'm not gonna lie to you i was actually rooting for them just because of carter hart and oscar lindblom and i think if they retool a little bit they've got a dumb salary i mean you saw jvr was cut from the lineup there he played up and down he's a guy they're gonna have to dump off in the offseason or take care of in some way even more or is it uh is it Hayes it's Kevin Hayes he's a guy that I don't see sticking around which is um, they funny because to... he actually played pretty well for Philly yeah it's just that cap it's going to be brutal coming up with this expansion draft and their team it's going to hurt a little bit but they've just got to retool a tad up front maybe adjust to their defense I think if I had to make a prediction for the Flyers this is probably Spears' last run with them and he looked good I thought in the playoffs but this is probably his last run with that team Yeah, he's kind of a defensive
0: liability for them. It's like like he plays great, but he also had a lot of really
1: boneheaded plays. Yeah, I don't know if it's fair to put into perspective just how bad he is defensively. He's just not good. I never really had a problem with Gossesbear as a player. I thought he he, he was a little overrated in his rookie season, but he's just so porous defensively. He needs to be put with somebody who's strong. And I thought Ivan Provorov had a terrible series there. He just did not look good.
0: Yeah, a lot of the big names really just didn't show up. I saw Drew was on, like, the third line a lot, and Couturier had horrendous puck luck. Like, nothing was going right for him.
1: And it makes you wonder, a player like Wayne Simmons, who left last year, he would have been a tremendous asset in the playoffs. I know he's not Wayne Simmons' 80-point like, player anymore, but you think about the Flyers' brand of hockey— They really didn't play that way. They played a lot more skill and finesse, and they're not built for that. The the Flyers will never be a skill and finesse team. It's just like the Bruins. They're not a skill and finesse team. You play Flyers hockey, you play grittier hockey, and it almost looks like they were afraid to go in the corners, and you can chalk that up to a lot of youth on that team, but I don't know if they have the right components to make a deep run yet. They need to really retool and find their model.
0: Yeah, I agree. They have a lot to work on, but they do have a lot to build off
1: of, too. On the adverse of that, the Islanders looked incredible. I mean, Matt Barzell, yes, he's not a, a superstar, but he is an elite talent, and he's like, he's on the cusp, I think. If he really finally like reaches through, there's a chance he could be like a Dark Horse finalist for the uh, Con Smythe. Am I wrong? I mean, he's not a superstar, but he's their superstar. He's far and away the right. best player right like i said he's an elite talent like he's a star just he's he's got a couple i think he can find another notch though i, I really think he can find another gear he's only 23 like he's got time
0: yeah he's the same age as eichel although i think he was in like the he draft was 2014 after him.
1: barzell i believe wasn't he? yeah i believe barzell was actually a year before maybe not, I'm not yeah sure. he
0: was like <laughs> he needed a bit more development first
1: i know with barzell yeah which is that's okay i mean he he's he's very skill-based and that's good they need somebody like him
0: yeah, the thing Andrew's... is with Barzal is that he hasn't quite reached the point where he could just control a game completely by himself, which is what right. I think
1: the Islanders need right. They need one more superstar or one more star alongside him. And honestly, all they need to do is wait. They've got Oliver Volstrom in the wings, who's probably going to come up and be a really big player for them. Anthony Bavillier is not a star, but he's a very good player, and I think he's developing really well alongside of Barzal. And they also have a couple of guys who could be useful. I'm surprised Josh Hosong hasn't been like. Was he still even with them? Did he did did he leave the Islanders? I can't remember. That's a good I, I'm
0: not sure. I, I th- feel like
1: he was waived at some point. I don't recall. Like I feel like this would be the time he could have come up and played. But regardless of that, this Islanders team. I think I said I said it in the article. They have the best coach in hockey. They've got the best goaltending coach in hockey, arguably. I think if they, I still don't see them putting it all together. I think now that the Lightning got out of a tough series with the Bruins, the Lightning are probably going to be poised to win the Eastern Conference. But I'm putting it on the Islanders. Like I really think they can pull through here.
0: Yeah, the Islanders are they're probably the best team in the playoffs. And by that, I mean they're the best team team, if that makes they, sense. They
1: are, well, yeah, I think what you're going for is they are the, like, as far as a team goes, they play the most as a team. They don't have a singular person. They are a cohesive unit. You know, defensively, that defense is atrocious on paper. However, they get it done on the ice. The goaltending should not be as good as it is, but it gets it done. And their offense—they have a couple players like Anders Lee is good. Barzell's obviously a stud, but they have a lot of good depth guys who come up in big situations and play well.
0: Yeah. So the funny thing with defense, I'm glad you brought that up. This is the same defense where two years ago under Doug Waite was the worst defense in the
1: NHL. Like, these are the same players. And this is what I have said. Some great coaches, too. I mean, I, I made the point before on the show that bad coaches can't get a lot out of good players. Good coaches get the most out of good players. But there are some great coaches like Barry Trotz who get the absolute most out of all players. That is the hallmark of an elite coach. And Barry Trotz, I think, is the best in hockey. He has done some incredible things in the defense, and I know it's not just him, but the coaches of some of his parts and it's his coaching staff that he helped put together there on the island, who really he gave the Islanders a reason to I'm going to steal their trademark, believe. Yep. <laughs> I really <laughs> thought you were going to hit me with some kind of retort to that one.
0: Nah. Alrighty, so. One thing that I will say is with the Islanders, it's like, all I'm thinking of is that if he can make those players look good, imagine if he actually got, like, an elite defenseman on the blue line.
1: And they might not have to imagine for long. They do have some good guys in the system. They have Bode Wild coming up. They have that goalie coming through the system. They've got some real talent coming up. Like I said, the Islanders, they can play wait and see. I mean, if they really, like I said, I think I actually predicted that the Islanders would make it through this series. That was more of a dart at the wall. But I'm telling you, there's a very real chance that when they open that new stadium, they could open with the Stanley Cup. Like, that's not a joke, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. All right, so what's our next series? Tampa and Boston. I am going to make a prediction. Okay. This is the end of the era for the Boston Bruins. Yep. I thought that coming into the series, I was defiant that the Bruins would absolutely destroy the Lightning. I didn't think the Lightning had what it took to play a tough team like that. They did not look good. They played, like, I understand that their goalie opted out, and there is tons of talk that either Rask is going to retire or he's going to get traded. Rask is not going to be back. i put that like, a 20% that he's actually going to be back with Boston. I don't think Bruce Cassidy's a great coach. I think he's an okay coach. And I think you really saw for the first time, man, Bergeron did not look great. Yeah, their top
0: players only really looked good on the power play. Right. I don't think you could really pin on Halak either because, really, he didn't play bad in the series. I mean, aside from that seven-goal game. Yeah. But he did what they needed him to do. I mean, in Game 5, he stopped Mm -hmm. all the pucks he needed to. Yep. And they still lost. I mean, you can't really pin on him. I mean, this is the same Bruins team that had the best defense in the regular season. This is the same Bruins team that won the President's Trophy. I mean, right. it wasn't so much that
1: he did anything wrong. It was just more like Tampa just... did a lot of things. Right. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing is, too. This is a team that <laughs> Tuka Rask is a great goalie. I will start that statement off by saying that Tuka Rask is a bad goalie at times. And that's a lot of goalies. But Tuka Rask specifically has his moments where during the season, he just doesn't remember that he's playing ice hockey. And that happens a lot. And the defense he had in front of him covered for him quite a bit. That was very similar to what happened in the playoffs. Like you said, Halak stopped the shots he needed to stop. It wasn't great, but he was definitely, he played how he had to play. That defense did not do very well. Like, Chara looked very, very old. Charlie McAvoy had an atrocious series. I don't think Charlie McAvoy is a good defenseman. I'm just going to put that out there. I was so high on McAvoy, I don't like him as a defenseman. I just don't think he's good. And their best defenseman's going to be leaving, probably. Tory Krug is definitely not staying in Boston. There's just, they, I just don't see it. There's the math doesn't add up. And I think, did Brad Marshawn look, like, tired to you? Because he didn't look like his Brad Marshall himself. Like, he's usually a jerk. He didn't look very good at all. Like, he just looked like he was out there to play hockey. He was probably their best forward on the ice. That's sad, too. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the Bruins have always been a team that get a lot out of their depth. Like, they've always been a team, like, we were back, what was it, two years ago, when Matt Grzelczyk was playing, and he was, like, playing really well. And mm-hmm. it's just, like, they use guys that you don't hear of like, what's his name, Kaufman or whatever, they use guys like that to sort of circumvent having a lot of stars. Like, they have one good line. and People said, well, that one good line is incredible, but you see what happens when they get shut down. And I'm a big diva passer on that guy. I really think he's one of the better players in hockey. I thought he had an okay series, but he's probably going to be the one remaining Bruin in a couple of years. Bergeron, to me is not Patrice Bertrand anymore. He's 36. He's not that good anymore. And he's not bad, but he's getting to the point where Joe Thornton was a few years ago, where it's getting more and more difficult to justify his salary cap for the player he's becoming. And Brad Marchand, he is their best player, but he's on the wrong sub 30. He's not going to get better. He's going to decline. I, You know, we saw him putting up, he's still a stellar offensive player, but the holes in his game, his defense specifically, are only going to get wider as he starts to slow down. That's why I'm saying I think this is a team that might end up having to say like goodbye to a lot of their stars.
0: Yeah, and not only that, but David Krejci too is also yeah. up there, and he was probably one of their best players this year.
1: Yeah, and I mean he's a playoff guy. Like I remember 2012, he torched in the playoffs, but like he has not been the same player since about 2014. I remember him being a real high end talent, and he's just taking a step back as he gets older. I mean that's to be expected, but You're right, he was a good player this year in the regular season. He was okay in the playoffs, but he again, he's on the wrong side of 30. That's the prevailing thought, is that every Bruins player that matters is on the wrong side of 30.
0: Except for Pasternak and McAvoy. Everyone else is 30 and up. And this kind of showed Boston's fatal flaw, which was relying on that top line. Because you can't win with one line. Like, not even the Avalanche could do that.
1: And, ha- and the
0: Bruins had way, way, way worse depth than Colorado. Oh, yeah. It's like their best player on their second line is Andre Kasha.
1: And it's like, okay. That's bad. That's it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That was the guy, the Anaheim Ducks. The current Anaheim Ducks could not utilize. Yeah, his, so, his game's just all speed, putting shots at the net. It's a lot like, I mean, there's two players in the league that remind me a lot of how he plays. Carl Hagelin who is very mm-hmm. fast and could score goals. Michael Grabner, who did the same for a while. And honestly, just because of recency bias, Kasperi Kapanen. These are all guys who utilize their speed to score goals and not much else. They're not creative. They're not skilled. They just have a ton of get up and go. And they have a little bit of finesse. Yeah. We also mentioned at the top of this series that Tampa did a lot of things right. Man, your team is looking good. Like Goals, I think, could use a little bit of work. Yeah, I agree. But I mean, Vasilevsky hasn't been great. He's been okay. He's been okay. Like, he's been a playoff goalie. Like, he's been average. He's just, I, for a goalie like him, I feel like he should be elevating it. I've given him praise a lot of times in this show, and you've rightfully given him criticism. He needs to prove me right and do some things, but it's not going to matter if you're drubbing the other team eight to two.
0: Yeah, I feel like Vasi's is very much a, I forget the exact word, but he's like a rhythmic goalie. It's like he gets better as the game goes on. So it's like he I, I needs also, to get into rhythm first before he can really do anything.
1: Well, I feel like he's, he's like a goalie sort of similar to Carey Lettinen, which that's not a comparison of skill. That's just the way they play. And like Marker Fleury, who the more shots they face, the better they get. Mm-hmm. Like, but if they don't face a ton of shots, which with Tampa's defense, they don't face a ton of shots, he doesn't really find that groove. And that's understandable.
0: It's like he um, plays his best when Tampa's going into an overtime game. Tampa hasn't lost a single overtime game this postseason
1: by he's that time online. Yeah. yeah by that time or, he's fully locked in man there's a lot of players on tampa bay that could be like if you had to pay like if they win the cup they could say oh the cons might i'm torn like if i'm tampa oh it's brain point easy has to be has brain to in be. point but man you could make a real solid argument that victor hedman god he is he is probably tampa bay's best player i understand Nikita kutrov is their best offensive player what would tampa be without Victor Hedman? <laughs>
0: Victor Hedman is probably the best defenseman in the league right now, just because overall, yes, because he he is the best two way defenseman because he could chip it in offense, but he could also shut it down in the blue line, and
1: he's an actual weaving willow on skates. So
0: yeah, he's a very fast skater, and he's six foot six. That's not fair.
1: Yeah, I, Tampa Bay like Brandon Point has been incredible. Honestly, Anthony sorelli has been really good. Like I, he's not going to get. Consmise nominations, and he's he's not scoring a ton. But Anthony Sorelli is just like. There's an episode, I'm going to call this back. There's an episode of SpongeBob where he just has a billion hands attached to him. I feel like that's Anthony Sorelli at all times. Just has a thousand hands just working defensively. Like, yeah, he might not contribute that much offensively. He's good for like 30, 40 points per regular season. But he's always just friggin' in the defensive zone doing something. It's it's, it's hilarious.
0: Yeah, once he gets name recognition, you could probably see him being a dark horse Selkie candidate in the future.
1: He got some votes this year, actually. Interesting. He was like eighth or ninth, I think, I saw. That's Oshawa General's legend, <laughs> Anthony Sorelli. Thank you very much.
0: Andre Palat's been playing really good, too. He has had like He, five, has. he has like a five-game goal streak.
1: Yeah, I've been really surprised. Palat has had a really good playoff series. He's not really the player he used to be when he was a part of the triplets line. But he is really, really, really good series so far, and he's had a great playoffs in total. You know, if there's one
0: player that's been playing bad for the Lightning, it's Tyler Johnson. He just looks lost. He just looks
1: so lost on the ice. You could have taken that quote from any time since he had that hand injury two years ago. He has not been a good player. Like he is definitively bad.
0: Yeah, it hurts. <laughs> it hurts to see. Cause I remember when he looked like the best player in the postseason five years ago. And now yeah, he's I... like, I don't know if it's because he just plays better at center. Cause right now he's at wing or if he's just like not confident or maybe he just only plays good with certain players, but he just, he is not a two-way player anymore.
1: He's Strikes Well, he's almost thirty, or he he might be thirty. He's closing out on that gap, you know, he's getting older. He strikes. He's the type of player that I think this is a different conversation, but Seattle might take a crack at him. Like I, he's not a bad player. He's just playing badly. There's a difference. He's got to get out of Tampa Bay. Some players cannot function in a high skill team. Tyler Johnson is not a high skill player, and you'll notice this with a lot of collegiate players. They're not high skill. They're more so. Their game is more well-rounded, and he's, hey, he struggled defensively, but I don't think he's a bad-to-way player. I think he's been put in the wrong situations because I've had my fair share of arguments. John Cooper, I still don't think is a good coach. I will lay on this sword. John Cooper looked into the best team in hockey I, I offensively. Will, I, I
0: will lay on that sword, too, because this is a team that should have been a dynasty by now, and yeah. they haven't because he's just not good at strategy. He just sort of, because he straight up said that he's not an X's nose guy. And I'm like, okay, then what are you? Is he a motivator? Because that seems like the coach he is. I don't know what kind
1: of a coach he is. But that's the thing. Okay, you don't have to motivate that team. You have six superstars. Superstars don't need motivation. Like, yeah, you might need to give them the occasional kick in the ass. Like, hey, stop missing checks or whatever. You don't need to motivate Nikita Kuchar to be a 120-point player. He just does that. You don't need to motivate Steven Stankos to score 45 goals. He does that. You don't need to motivate Victor Hedman to be a tree trunk. He does that. Like, that's just how it works. John Cooper, to me, he's just sort of a... I feel like if there's a very niche role for him, it's he's a very traditional bench coach. He is there for the guys who aren't as good. He's there for the Andre Palaz, for the... The ramshackle defense after the top four. Alex Kalorns. Um, Alex Kalorns. Yanni Gors. Maybe maybe an Anthony Sorelli. Guys like that who aren't like superstars who need like guidance. But again, he's not an X's and O's guy. How much is he telling them that's actually beneficial? Like if he's telling Sorelli, hey, go do your defensive assignment, well, if he's a two way player innately, he's going to do that regardless. He, he's not putting them in circles and he's not running traps and he's not running. You know, a weak side wing lock. He's not sending out a one one defense. He's just putting players on the ice and rolling lines. I mean, I'm pretty sure most AHL coaches can do what John Cooper does. I won't say he's a bad coach. I don't think there's a bad coach in the NHL still coaching. Well, we'll get to that. I don't but, think he's a bad coach. <laughs> I, yeah, I, um, don't, I don't think he's
0: a bad coach either, but I don't think he's a Stanley Cup coach. And I think for a team like Tampa, you
1: can't have that. If he's a Stanley Cup coach, it's because the team won him the Cup, not he won a Stanley Cup himself.
0: Yeah. John Tortorella is a Stanley Cup coach. Literally. Yeah. I, literally. Like, he is I'm a postseason at... coach. John Cooper isn't.
1: You're looking at two polar opposites. You're looking at a one of the top two coaches in the league on the other bench, in the Islanders, who is coaching a team above their skill level. And you're looking at a, the other coach, who is, I personally believe, one of the bottom ten coaches in the league, coaching a team who is technically gifted. So we won't stir on this series. What else do we got? One other thing I wanted to say, why is Zach Bogosian on the top pairing with Victor Hedman? Because Zach Bogosian, for all his flaws, can play defense. Like, he's not bad defensively. Like, he can't score goals anymore. He's awful offensively. He gets the occasional assist. But he's, for all the purposes, he is there in case Victor Hedman goes, oopsie, and this is a check. (laughs) Like, that's basically what he's there for, because Zach Bogosian is 6'5", and 234 pounds at last check. He's a big dude he can kind of just park his, his rear end in the net and block shots. Sometimes you need guys like that with offensive players. Like, Hedman is responsible. He's very good two-way, but he makes mistakes too. But Goshen's there as a safety net. Fascinating. What else we got on the agenda here? Colorado Dallas, right? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. This is a really good series. This, this is a series that I think proved that you can never have too much defense. Yeah. Um, I'm going to say something extremely controversial. Let me rephrase that. I'm going to say something extremely controversial again. Let me rephrase that. I'm going to say something extremely controversial again today. Nathan McKinnon might be the best player in hockey, and he played the worst game when it mattered the most. It's fair to say he didn't have a bad Game 7, but where was he? You know what I mean? Yeah. What did you think of this series? Dallas got lucky. Dallas got extremely lucky. I'm sorry, are you doubting the superstar Joel Kiviranta? Is that what I'm hearing? (laughs) No, what I mean is that
0: Colorado lost Grubauer for the series, and I feel like in a seven-game series, something as small as that or big as that could have had the difference for them because by Game 7, they were playing Michael Hutchinson in net. Like, I mean, I'm sorry. You're not going to win with Michael Hutchinson.
1: He is one of the two goaltenders in the playoffs that caught right-handed, I believe. Interesting. Interesting. You know, it was Mike Smith. Interesting. <laughs> um, that's a fun fact for you today. Yeah, you're not wrong. I mean, and I've been on this train since Adam was lost on the show back in friggin' January. Philip Grubauer's trash. I'll say this until the day turns blue. I think he's an awful goalie. I thought that was a great trade for them two or three years ago. I think it's a friggin' terrible player. Right? Yeah, but he's, he's not a good goalie. Right.
0: Yes, I agree with you, but
1: he is better uh, yeah. than Michael Hutchinson and
0: Correct. Pavel franzos which isn't really oh. saying much but still i mean that just sort of, that just goes to show just how bad colorado's goaltending situation is like it's just that's just untenable like everything else oh. about the team is great they have a perfection line they have incredible depth they have a great defense they just don't have a goaltender
1: let me ask you a question and i want to get philosophical here for a second okay is oh, jared bedner a good coach I, I, don't, I don't know yeah i don't know either Like, that's a hard question because it's
0: like, obviously, his first season was terrible. They only had 20 wins. Like, they did really bad. But it's like, I feel like as they started getting young players called up, they've just been getting better. I feel like he might just be a developmental coach because they've been getting getting better as the years have been going on and the more prospects they've been putting in the lineup.
1: Because I look at him in this way, and it's sort of similar to what you just broke down, which is, okay, his first season was atrocious. I don't think that's who he is as a coach. I don't think he's that bad, because I remember calling for his firing. I thought he was the worst coach in the league. And I don't think he's as good of a coach as he is by his record, because he is a positive NHL coaching record. I think what the situation here is, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, Joe Sackick has built a master class of a leadership group. Like, Nathan McKinnon is a great leader. Gabriel Landis, who is a fantastic captain. By all accounts, Eric Johnson is a good leader. He might not be a great player, but he's a good leader. Even guys like Miko Rantanen have started to take on a leadership role. Like, I think when you look at the team, the coaching doesn't come from the coach. Like, he helps. I think the coaching comes from the big players saying, hey, just don't get in my way, I'll show you how like how to play. Very similar to, like, the Rangers in the 2010s, the Kings in the 2010s, the Penguins, the Blackhawks, letting the players sort of coach each other. You know what I mean? Does that yeah, sound it,
0: about right? Yeah, and they also have, like, depth guys like Belomar who are good leaders for, like,
1: the fourth line. Yeah, I mean, their team is good. If I recall
0: correctly, wasn't Bednar, like, a really sought-after AHL coach? Because Honestly? Because I remember he was, like, when he was still coaching in Lake Erie, he was, like, tabbed as one of those, like, next up-and-coming coaches.
1: Honestly, I really don't know, to be Kind of like, he was, like,
0: like, the first before Sheldon Keefe. Like, everyone thought Sean Keefe going to be good. Bednar was, like, kind of the <laughs> same, I think.
1: Yeah, honestly, I really just... I don't know. I feel like with the Avalanche, though, they're getting to a point where they've got to start doing something. Because Nathan McKinnon, he's not getting old. You know, he's 26 or he's 25. Like, he's still in his prime. I'd say he's just entering his prime. He needs help defensively. Like, that team defensively does need an upgrade. They need goaltending. They need to... There's, if the Avalanche don't use the money they have to go out and get Britton Holpe or Robin Laner, they're doing something wrong. That gal, get Matt Murray or go get Frederick Anderson. Get one of the goalies who are on the trade market. I mean, I can see Frederick Anderson succeeding in Colorado, can't you? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, they just need to start getting better goaltending and they'll be fine. On the adverse of that, Dallas, I really don't want to break down Dallas because they didn't do much. They got lucky, like you said. I really don't think they played that well. They
0: had Miro Heiskanen. Be their best Who? player. Yes. The offense finally woke up. And by offense, I mean Jamie Ben and Radulov. Sagan's? No, well, not, say- not Sagan. Sagan's yeah. still been quiet. He's been all right.
1: Sagan's had worse puck luck than Sean Couturier. Which yeah, is, which, which is again, you can't... You can't puck like, luck is what you make of it, but he's done a lot of things right that just haven't gone in.
0: Yeah, it's like he... So so things with Sagan is that he's his metrics are good and he puts up a lot of shots on net. The problem is that
1: none of them are going in. Right. Yeah, I don't really even feel the need to look at Dallas because, like, high didn't play incredibly. That's a given. They got stupid lucky that their rookie guy, Joel Kivaranta, which, I mean, hey, good for him, scored a hat trick in the playoffs. They got so, so lucky that happened. So you're the prospect master here. Who is he? I don't know. I've heard his name. I think he was, like, a fourth or fifth-round pick, if I remember right. He might have been a little higher, a little lower. He wasn't a star. Like, he was a guy who I believe... I'm going to take a shot in the dark and say he's finished, based on his name. I really don't know who Joel Kivaranta is. I remember hearing the name when he got drafted, or signed, or whatever the hell it was, but I don't recall him being a big guy, and I'm going to delve into the video game world there. As a guy who played franchise mode for three years, like, over and over again every day, I only saw Joel Kivaranta's name twice, as a prospect to watch. I genuinely don't know what to make of him. Like, I don't think... And, listen, no offense to him, I don't think he's a good player. I think he's just a guy who... Do you remember a few years ago, Eric Nystrom... Do you remember when Eric Nystrom from the Predators scored a hat-trick? Or four goals or whatever it was against the, against the Leafs? I feel like this is a situation like that. Where a no-name guy sort of comes in, gets a little bit of puck luck, and gets a hat-trick. Does or that maybe, make a lot of
0: sense? Or maybe like
1: a Riley Nash? Yeah, I mean, uh, he's... I mean... Anybody who scores a hat trick in the NHL is an NHL player. I'm not saying this guy's gonna go down to friggin' wherever Dallas' AHL affiliate is. I'm just saying like he's probably a third or fourth liner. I mean, hey, maybe he'll become a star for them. You you never know. But judging now, I'm gonna say he's a nobody. Okay. Do you wanna you have any more thoughts on this series before we move along? No
0: matter what they do in the playoffs this year, they're probably gonna tear it down next season, I think.
1: I think they're gonna have to. Their coaching staff is still in kind of a flux. I remember Jim Montgomery. Is it Jim Montgomery that is the coach there? He, Jim he was Will? okay. Whoever the guy is that's still in charge there, I think he was on the podcast for Elliot Friedman back in like December, or January, and he basically said like he's only going to coach a couple more years. They're sort of at the end of their tenure here. Yeah, yeah like, their,
0: their coach right now is Rick Bonus, and I'm not the, Rick Bonus. I'm not this. the biggest fan of him.
1: He's all right. I'm not going to. He to me, he's a he's a very fine assistant coach. He's a very low-end fringe head coach, if I'm being honest. Yeah. Like I said, it was, you're right, it was Rick Bonus. He was on the podcast, really, Friedman. he said, like, he's probably not going to be in the game much longer. He wants to win a cup, but if he doesn't, it's fine. I think, honestly, this is going to end only one way. Jimmy Ben's going to get traded. Tyler Sagan is going to leave, and he's going to go to the Maple Leafs because that's literally, if they have cap, that's where he's going. It's been a foregone conclusion for about eight years that he's going to, to Toronto. I just, I don't know. I think you're right. I think in a couple of years, they got one or two more cracks at it after this year, and they're probably done. Yeah. So, move on to Vegas-Vancouver? Uh-huh. All right. This is my personal favorite series. This is the only series I actually watched games of, really. I watched a little bit of Game 7 Philly Islanders. I actually watched Vegas-Vancouver was keeping tabs. Man, what a wild... This is. I don't care who's in the cop. This is the best series in the playoffs. Like, Vegas is goaltending carousel. That was hilarious. Robin Lehner is incredible. Valkander Fleury had a great game after he pulled that stunt with his agent. Shea Theodore is going to win the Collins Smythe. I'm calling it now. Shea Theodore is going to win the Collins Smythe. if Vegas wins the Cup.
0: Yeah, that's not a hot take. I, I agree with yeah. that. He's He's been very good, and Anaheim's probably really Fine. upset that they traded him to Vegas so yes. they could take a pick. That's the funny and, and thing like, is that they didn't even pick
1: him. He got traded there. And, like, there were—man, we found two teams who can help a lot of NHL teams out this offseason because the goaltending in this series was fantastic. Like, Thatcher Demko, I've been high on him for so long. I'm fairly certain he was a Hobie Baker winner. If not, I think he won the Beanpot. Thatcher Demko, holy smokes, this guy is for real. And if they lose Markstrom like they're probably going to this offseason, they're just going to be fine.
0: Yeah, Thatcher Demko, finally, finally, after what seems like forever, finally played up to his billing.
1: Yeah, he's got it rolling now. Because he was awful he's... this
0: year. Well, not awful, but he was just painfully no, he, he was, was
1: painfully a... mediocre. Mediocre, yes. And I think it was an adjustment. You know, he didn't play a lot of games. Markstrom was a the starter there. And I remember here, I think I actually said this back in like March, I'm like, uh, Michael DiPietro is clearly the successor there. Like They don't think highly of Demko anymore. And he started to put it together at the end of the season there. He started to get some more wins and started to compile. And then he turned it on. This, I mean, this is the goalie. I don't like being like, oh, this is who he is after two incredible games. This is who Thatcher Dumco is to me. And this is his potential. I think he can play like that a lot. I mean, he was very technically sound in that. And I don't know. I'd look at both these teams. These might be the only two teams that I'm saying... They don't need to change anything. Like Vancouver's got a couple signings they gotta make for depth that they are gonna have to replace. But they've got some real stars coming through and they've already got some stars up, and they're just gonna have to wait until next year. And Vegas is much the same. They're just they just keep on winning. Yeah. I'm kinda over
0: Vegas at this point,
1: but they have been playing really good. I wouldn't hate seeing them win because I think a lot of players on that team, like, they're still the misfits to me. Until Seattle comes in they're still the team that's like, hey, we're fresh and new. They're only four years or three years in. Three so, years, yeah. Yeah. So, like, I'm all in favor of Vegas winning. Like, they're my rooting interest now. So what do we got up next? I uh, do so, you have any more thoughts.
0: Yeah, no, I don't really have too much to say about this series. I mean, you covered a lot of it. Vancouver is going to be a force for the next few seasons. Yeah. So, I mean, they shouldn't be worried at all. In fact, they're probably mm-hmm. going to be better next season because when Markstrom goes, they'll have, like, that extra cap, cap to assign more depth. Yep. Because that's really what yep. they need. They need more depth.
1: Yeah, that's what I said too. Like They're going to have to let go of some guys that were playing above their weight class here, but they'll be okay. So what do we have next? The previews? Yeah. So which comments from do you want to start with? We'll start with the East. I'm going to go through these kind of briefly if you've got any thoughts, by all means. Okay. Tampa Islanders, this is a clear mismatch to me. I think I've already alluded to this when we were giving the recaps, but like... My brain, my hockey analytical brain says, you're dumb if you don't pick Tampa Bay here. But my heart says, man, it would be a great story for the Islanders to make it. I'm still going with the Islanders, my long shot pick. But I see Tampa winning.
0: Yeah, I'm looking at this as a mismatch, and it's a mismatch for the Islanders. They're not, they don't have the depth or the superstars to really compete with Tampa for an extended period of time. I mean, they did everything right against Tampa, and they still got blown out 8-2. Tampa's always really played well against the Islanders. I remember, like, 2016 or 17 when they played the Islanders, they looked really good after taking out Florida, and then they got smoked in five yeah. games.
1: and I mean, I'll make this real easy for you. It's going to be a Tampa Bay-Vegas final. Yeah. Out of all four teams, we just said that the Islanders are punching above their weight class here as a team. Dallas is the worst by far. And listen, anything yeah. can happen, they could sweep Vegas, and that could be a, a real thing that happens. And it wouldn't shock me because it's 2020. However, going based on pure merit and pure skill, I think this is an easy series for Vegas.
0: Yeah, Dallas is very... Well, first off, they're still playing their backup
1: goaltender. Right. Who
0: I really don't think Kudobin's that good. do no, I, I he's really don't.
1: average. That's about it. It's like he hasn't
0: um, really, like, stood out to me. Like, he's always just sort of... I mean, he's played well, but, I mean, he's
1: really not that good. Now, I'm not really a fan of the Dallas team. I don't like the Stars, I'll be honest with you, in general, but just like this series, this should be Vegas's game to lose.
0: Yeah, I agree. Vegas has sort of lost their scoring touch the past couple of games, but once they get that back, Dallas is going to be thwacked pretty good.
1: Did you want to, now, now that we're sort of wrapped on uh, hockey, have any more thoughts you wanted to allude to, or with hockey? No, nah, that's, that's, uh, that's about it, really. Alright, and I know you wanted to touch upon the start of the NFL season here.
0: Yeah, how do you think that's going to go?
1: All right, so, I mean, I don't know. I personally don't watch the first week of football. I don't start watching until, like, week six. If if there's a game on, I'll be like, hey, awesome. But, I don't know. My early Super Bowl prediction, I don't know. Are we doing that today? Is that something we could do? I'm always down for a way too early Super Bowl pick. I'm just going to toss a random team out there, I mean, the Chiefs are probably the clear-cut favorite. But I'm going to go with, man, I have a hard time betting against Lamar Jackson. So I'm going to say Baltimore. Okay. How I'm, about you?
0: I'm thinking, I'm feeling really good about the Saints this year for some reason. Okay. And probably go with Chiefs. I mean, Chiefs are kind of safe pick. I don't really see them falling off too much this year.
1: I'm going to go with a really, I forgot we're doing like ASCNFC for the East and West. I'm going to go with Shot in the Dark into the Eagles, just because I feel like they're always sort of in the mix. Yikes. I, listen, again, it's not even week one out of 17. They get a Shot in the Dark. Like, I don't know, there's a lot of players I have question marks about this year. You want to give, like, a breakout candidate? Drew Locke. Drew Locke? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay,
0: with the Broncos, yeah. I mean, they, he, he He just has so many weapons around him. And, like, he has, oh boy, let, let me think off the top of my head. First off, he has three really good running backs in Melvin Gordon, Philip Lindsay, and Royce Freeman. That's a pretty good backfield. His tight end's Noah Fant, who he has a great connection with and I believe they both played together in college and his his receivers are Cortland Sutton who's really good and they just got Jerry Judy and KJ Hamler in the draft so even if only some of this works like even if only Jerry Judy is good or if only one of their running backs is good they're still gonna have a very functional offense that's gonna be pretty hard to play against
1: yeah I mean I don't know I'm sort of looking at just a long shot what I like CD Lamb as a guy but also I'm just gonna I mean it's probably a really easy one but Clyde Edwards Hilaire looks like a really really good running back easy
0: easy the dude could run and he could catch he was very good at LSU he's gonna be just fine in Kansas City
1: yeah I mean I feel like that's a layout pick for like breakout so yeah, I didn't want to go with him
0: yeah they've really needed a running back for a while and they finally have
1: one and uh, how about a most likely to disappoint player Tom Brady because I'm Wow, we are on the same wavelength. I was gonna say Tom (laughs) Brady.
0: I'm just not sold
1: with Tampa. I mean,
0: we've seen the same song and dance before with teams winning it in the offseason. We saw that last year with the Cleveland Browns. Everyone was like, oh, the Cleveland Browns are finally gonna make the postseason this year, and they were really bad, and their coach got fired. We've seen that with the Eagles in like 2011 or whatever, whenever the dream team was, and everyone was like, Oh, they're gonna win a Super Bowl, they even make the playoffs. It's like we've seen this thing before. It's like it's very rare to win free agency and win a super bowl it's like i think the last time we saw that was like and did they didn't even win a super bowl it was like the rams a couple years ago when they looked really good sean McVay, and now they're in cap hell and they have no picks so yeah even then I, they are not in a good situation
1: and i look at a guy like their running back field in tampa bay like i think it's ronald jones if i remember right and it's leonard Fournette, and i don't like leonard Fournette. i think he's terrible i really don't think he's a good running back like yeah he's an nfl running back but he's not special. I mean, he's, I liked Fournette
0: because he played at LSU and he was pretty good, but he's very much just a power back. He can't really catch at
1: all. He underwhelmed Jacksonville, not saying something. And like uh yeah, Tom Brady, I, I think I actually said this in our intro that we still have. I think I said I, I'm not saying Tom Brady's bad. However, in the year 2020, I am saying and I quote, Tom Brady is bad. Tom Brady is not a good quarterback anymore. He is still a game manager. He still don't under, he's, he's still going to be Tom Brady in the huddle but he's not accurate anymore he's really not great like his qbr which is not an end all be all but his qbr has not been perfect and he lacks this is his first year with a new team and a new system or a new coach i just don't see it working
0: yeah he was saying that this is the first time that he's had to learn a new system and yeah that's really interesting because if you think about it he's the only veteran quarterback above 35 who's played in the same system his whole career like, Phillip Rivers has jumped through systems. Ben Roethlisberger has jumped through systems. Aaron Rodgers has jumped through systems. Um, Peyton Manning, especially, right. he jumped through a bunch. Well, he jumped through do teams, you know? Yeah. And this is the first time Tom Brady's learning a different system. How well do you think he's going to acclimate to that? And it's especially, like, this is a completely different system from Like, it's not even, like, this is something that's similar. No, this is a completely different system. Like, Bruce Arians very much runs almost an air raid. Like when he had, yeah. when he had Carson Palmer, it was literally just bombs away. When he had Jameis Winston, bombs away. We're gonna throw eighty yard passes
1: every single play. Right, and that's Tom what Brady Tom can't built do for. that. Tom Brady no. can't. Tom Brady's never been able to do that. If I'm no, being honest, Tom Brady is not a gunslinger. He is not an Aaron Rodgers who can hit those deep balls. He is not a Brett Favre who can hit those long balls. He is a guy who can hit short dump passes and he can hit like medium targets on the run. He can't hit long bombs. He can't find the red zone from the friggin' 40. Like, he's he's gotta be... He needs time in the pocket, which he's not gonna have. And he, in my opinion, cannot be the center of attention anymore. But with that kind of bad backfield, he's gonna have to be. Yeah, they... The
0: only thing I really like about them is their wide receivers. I love their wide receiver core,
1: but that's really it for me. And I'll ask you one more question here. Early MVP... Just uh, not one for each conference, just one MVP you have to pick. Christian McCaffrey. I'm gonna go with Saquon Barkley. So we're both going with running backs on
0: bad teams. Gotcha. Yep. (laughs) Because they're both, ironically, the two
1: best running backs, arguably, in football. So,
0: yeah. I mean, Uh, literally, like, their teams, I know their teams are only like gonna go like somewhere between like 3 and 13 and like 5 and 11 but without you're them, looking, without them their teams would go like
1: 2 and 14 every year. Yes, cuz you're looking at like they're going to steal like Christian McCaffrey's good to steal you two games. He's going to there's going to be two games a season where he wins it for his team. And Saquon Barkley is going to do the same for the Giants. I'm just personally saying Saquon Barkley on a coin toss because he's got a slightly better quarterback and also cuz he's in a way
0: bigger media market.
1: Yeah, I, I mean I think like and I mean the Panthers are okay, but they lost Luke Eakley. They're terrible now. I think just simply because of the quarterback situation and the wide receiver situation, the Giants might win an extra game. I'm going to put them around, like, 4-12 and 12 or whatever it is. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give them that fourth <laughs> win. They might go big, they might go four. Honestly, since MVP really goes off
0: of team wins too, I could probably see, like, Elliott having a decent shot at it.
1: Yeah, Elliott might win it. Honestly, Pat Mahomes might win it if we're being honest. Mm-hmm. We'll see. It'll be an interesting season. Who knows? Maybe Joe Burrow will win it. Okay. Let's not get carried out. (laughs) here. That's about all I want to talk about football-wise. Is there anything else you want to cover? Anything else you want to touch on this show? One thing that I've been thinking of is, let's say
0: the Colorado Avalanche made the Stanley Cup Final and lost. Nate McKinnon was by far the best player in the postseason. Like, he had 25 points in 15 games, right? And the next highest person had, like, 18. Right. Do you think Nate McKinnon could have won the con one. Uh, yeah do
1: you think he could have won the con Smythe if his team lost in the Stanley Cup nah. final he, the last losing player that won the con Smythe was J.S. Jaguar with the Ducks I believe that was in 04 I think it was like the year or two before they actually won the cup I feel like that was the last one to won it right yeah, right okay. yeah you know you're
0: absolutely correct
1: Yes. So my database of hockey knowledge, I don't see a losing player winning it unless they're like, okay, if it, and I'm just saying this as an if, if the Oilers made it to the round that McKinnon did, if the Oilers just got knocked out, and McDavid kept his current pace, McDavid would have 50 some points. I would say on a limb, Connor McDavid might have won it then, but not at the rate that McKinnon was going at McKinnon's great. Yeah, M-
0: yeah, McKinnon was almost on a pace to break Gretzky's record. I he mean,
1: was, and again, I'm, I'm going to say this though, so McDavid had 11 and 4. So yes. I'm just going to say, like, if we're being honest with ourselves, going based on everything, in 30 games, McKinnon would have 50 points. In 8 games, McDavid would have 22 points. You can do the math. It's going to catch up. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's just, man, it's been one hell of a playoff ride. I don't think can would have won it, but I also don't think it's out of the question to have asked. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. That was just always some of those things, because, f- again, I feel like he was on pace to be very close to that record.
1: Yeah. So before we wrap up here, too, I want to give a schedule update for the show. So as we are approaching the middle of September, right? Yeah, middle of September. We're going to grind through the Eastern and Western Conference Finals. And then, of course, we're going to grind through the Stanley Cup Playoff Finals. And then we are going to take a hiatus for a little while. How long do you think we're going to take a hiatus for Parker since you're the producer? However long you feel is
0: necessary. I mean, I know like we're both in school right now, so it's like...
1: Yeah, I'm going to put us tentatively at about two to three weeks at least. Because baseball playoffs will be starting, but we really don't do anything special. And if I'm being honest... Baseball is not our big market, and baseball playoffs, they're a little boring. So, we'll probably cover the World Series, but NFL will be starting up. We'll try to you know, cover some things there. Really, that's it, though. We'll probably come back after about a month. I'd say we're probably going to take that break at the end of September here because the Cup Finals should fall right here at the end of September. Probably take a break in October, probably just call it for October. Maybe pump out some articles, but that's about it. And we'll probably restart November. We are going to bring back. For the start of November we're gonna bring back the what was the our game show called? Good sports. Good sports. We'll bring back good sports for the start of the holidays, and then we'll probably resume regular programming when the new seasons kick over in twenty twenty one. That's my prediction. Anything you wanna comment on on that? Nah. Okay. Sounds about right Uh, to me. Just because, you know, we're two college kids, still grinding through. It's twenty twenty, so you know, it's not a great year. Well, you know, for, for sports. It's been a long one. We're going to take a couple you know, weeks to reconvene there. We'll record the good sports for you guys. We're really excited to get back at that. We'll have some guests again. I know it's been like, what was it, four months, Parker, since we had a guest on? Yeah, what's going on with Adam? I He, he might not even be real at this point. We're not even sure. <laughs> yeah, we're going to try to record a little bit of the good sports over the holidays, try to get in four or five episodes, so Parker can just put those out. You probably, after the Stanley Cup's here happen, though, you probably won't hear us talking new news until probably 2021. Like I said, we're going to try to get back in at the first week of January, sort of set it up that way. Just because when the holidays approach, it gets busier, it gets more condensed. And realistically, we're not looking at a lot of sports. Hockey's going to end, probably not going to start back until at least February from what I'm seeing. NFL's not going to really matter until, you know, the Super Bowl, which is when we're going to be starting to record at the end of the regular season. Baseball's going to be in the most boring time for a sport that is boring 90% of the time. Because it's going to be the winter meetings. Parker, are you excited for the winter meetings? I don't even know what those are. Yes, thank you. So, And we don't really cover basketball. So we're going to take a long break. That gives us about two months off. It'll be our longest hiatus. But after the year, everybody's kind of had. We're going to take a nice little reprieve. So we'll be back next week to, I'm going to say wrap the conference finals, right? Yeah. Probably. Mm -hmm. And then we'll be back the week after that to wrap, or, well, I'm assuming it's going to be the week after that with the Stanley Cup Finals, we don't really know, and we'll probably pre-record the draft episode. We're going to do a live show, we're probably just going to pre-record it. But yeah, so that's the schedule. I know it's a lot of information to take in, but uh, I wanted to concur with you on air here, Parker, so that we have a live feed. Okay. Um, with that said, oh, and I, I know I everybody's really disappointed, Daft Picks Book Club will not be returning. Oh, what a shame. <laughs> that was a one-and-done thing. I, I'm sorry, I know you're all so disappointed it will not be returned. I don't know what you thought was going to happen with that. Listen, it was an, if Oprah can do it, we can do it. Am I wrong? Right. Right. All righty. We'll wrap it there. Like I said, well, you got about two more weeks of actual shows, and we'll, uh, we'll go from there. All right. We will talk to you all next week.